I love you guys. Really. I'm Torin Atkinson. Best hangover cure? More booze. I'm Kevin Leeson. <laughs> yeah. I'm Joe Fulgham. <laughs> I'm Dr. Rob Tarzel, and I want you to spell the following phrase backwards. Welcome to Caustic Soda. Alcohol. Alcohol. Sweet nectar of the gods. Love it. So uh, if anybody's playing along at home, we can play the Caustic Soda drinking game. How does that work? Uh, every time we take a drink, you should take a drink. Unless you're driving. We are. Unless That's... you're driving. Unless you're listening <laughs> to us in the and car. Driving. Oh, yeah. I thought it was mandatory. <laughs> if you're driving, pull over. You don't want to spill your drink. So uh, bottoms up, y'all. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who hasn't guessed, we are drinking while recording. We will tell oh you whenever we God. have a shot. Let everybody. I'm having some tequila. I have my lime and my salt. Uh, I'm having home. Malibu Caribbean rum with coconut flavored liquor and pineapple juice. juice. I'm having a shot of St. Remy Cognac. Followed up by a Shiraz Chaser. And just to reassure all the folks at home, this is medical science. Oh, Dr. Rob. Dr. Rob Tarswell is here as our resident physician. Welcome back. All right. Thanks for having me. Here we go. Shiraz so, isn't my favorite, bad, but it's all I had in the house today. So alcohol. Uh, the word comes from the Arabic al-kuhul. Uh, al didn't he write the Necronomicon? Uh, that was al as red. <laughs> al is Arabic for the, basically, and kuhul is the fine metallic powder used to darken the eyelids. It was then broadened in the 1670s to include any sublimated substance, the pure spirit of anything, including liquids. Uh, and then the modern sense of the intoxicating ingredient in strong liquor was first recorded in 1753 uh, and used to describe the alcohol of wine, which was then extended to the intoxicating element in fermented liquors. The word booze comes from Middle Dutch boozen, which means to drink heavily. There's a few uh, interesting uh, euphemisms for being drunk that I particularly enjoy. Yeah. All right, let's hear yours. Such as pot valiant. Pot valiant? <laughs> Brave only as a result it's, of being drunk. He's the cousin of Prince Valiant, I'm pretty I know, sure. I know a lot of people who are pot valiant, and they that's not because of alcohol. That's true. We live in Vancouver, <laughs> after all. Uh, there's crapulous. <laughs> inebriated. Yeah. Hooched up. Plotsed. Sozzled. And my Ooh. favorite from uh, Miller's Crossing, Miller's Stinko. Crossing, Stinko. Let's get Stinko. No. And then there's Three Sheets to the Wind. Does anyone know the origin of Three Sheets to the Wind? I don't, no. but I totally want to. Sheets aren't sails, as landlubbers might expect, but ropes or occasionally chains. These are fixed to the lower corners of sails to hold them in place. If three sheets are loose and blowing about in the wind, then the sails will flap and the boat will lurch about oh. like a drunken sailor. So normally oh. so normally you'd have four sheets. Yeah. So with three sheets to wind, that means three of them aren't attached and they're just flattering. It's only yeah. attached by one. Okay, I got it. Oh, wow. okay. And dipsomania is a historical term describing a medical condition involving an uncontrollable craving for alcohol. It was used in the 19th century to describe a variety of alcohol-related problems, most of which are most commonly conceptualized today as alcoholism. But it is occasionally still used to describe a particular condition of periodic compulsive bouts of alcohol intake. The idea of dipsomania is important for its historical role in promoting a disease theory of chronic drunkenness. 
Uh, on that note, I think we all need to take another drink. To Volstead. Oh, yeah. We're going to uh, cheers in many of the world's languages today. Uh, what was to Volstead? Also from Miller's Crossing. Oh, uh, To preface, maybe we should talk about the states which we began this experiment in. I was terribly hungover. No, I kept myself nice and pure last night. Well, pure from any kind of intoxicating effect anyway. You washed in it? Yes. <laughs> Not like a steril- sterilization joke from I, the I absorbed uh, it through my corner. skin like a toad. I haven't had a proper drink for about seven years and I haven't been properly drunk for probably about 20. So wow. now, why is that? Is there any, was there a catalyst? What? Well, my father was an abusive alcoholic for starters. Ah, nice. But No, psych- not nice. No, let's not even joke about that. <laughs> no, but That like, is not nice. But psy- a psychiatrist? That's not the only let's reason. Let's just though. say Rob, Dr. Rob. Dr. Rob. Let me uh, ask for Can some you Seeing me? as how we have one here. <laughs> Wouldn't there typically, people who have alcoholic parents typically become alcoholics, don't they? Isn't that the, the sort of the cycle repeating itself, the abusive? I've always been a rebel. <laughs> Well, there's certainly uh, genetic and environmental aspects to uh, alcoholism. And so if you are the child of two alcoholic parents, you're much more likely to yeah. end up alcoholic. Even in sort of twin separated birth studies, there's higher prevalence of alcohol right. in the adopted away twin. Yeah, I've heard I a lot to my about this. Side. The, the, the distinction between environment and genes is a difficult one because, of course, you don't just get your parents' genes. You get your parents' parenting. Right. Secondly, I'm well known for my penchant for uh, only childish foods. <laughs> like Count Chocula, and I don't drink coffee either. Yeah. So, and I really don't like the taste of alcohol whatsoever. Right. And then secondly, all through my teens and 20s, I saw people do really stupid things. <laughs> and I said, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. But, you know, in my adult life, you know, I'm having a drink now. The things you do for caustic soda, exactly. everybody. Yeah. Like you're, uh... So if I start undoing my belt <laughs> later, stop me. I certainly don't drink like I did in college. <laughs> Who does? I'm surprised that I made it through that experience. Just goes to show you how brilliant I am. <laughs> I was able to, through an alcoholic haze, still able to manage a B average. You know, I, I find it a pretty integral part of my social interactions. Uh, when I go out with friends, and even just for dinner or whatever, I, I'll, I'll have a glass of wine or a social couple of cocktails. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. My strategy was to just never leave college. <laughs> yeah. You get drunk it's true. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, grade 28 and counting. That's right. Doc, uh, doc, I'll drink to that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the one I learned from uh, one of my buddies in high school, German father. Tschüss. Tschüss. I'm going to need a paper towel because I'm spilling this wine everywhere. And so we're beginning to already observe some of the early clinical effects yeah, of the I early can, phase of intoxication. Was, a little bit of fine motor coordination slowing down. We have a, a guest in the studio it with should us be noted, yeah. who will not be mic'd. Because she talks like this. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Big thanks to Darcy Duro for being our designated driver today because we didn't want to have to get ourselves home after this episode. Cheers to Darcy. So alcohol is a psychoactive drug. How does it work? Uh, it has a depressant effect. If it's a depressant, how come I'm so much happier when I'm drinking? Oh, right. And I, let, let me note before he starts, we are only talking about ethanol. Uh, we're not talking about drinking other types of alcohols. Right. Alcohol is actually a, a class of organic compounds, right. basically denoted by a hydroxyl group on the terminal chain. Um, the terminal chain. <laughs> the hydroxyl group. That's, those are the guys who were behind the whole Terminator thing, right? Terminal chain is the name of the amazing weapon that my World of Warcraft character wields. And uh, interestingly, just uh, on the note of consumable alcohols, everyone's heard of wood alcohol, methanol, which you really shouldn't drink ever. That's How the stuff that'll ma- make you go blind. Yeah. It, that uh, and masturbation, right? Together well, especially. <laughs> <laughs> but isopropyl alcohol, which is Rubbing found alcohol. in uh, rapid cleansers in hospitals, one of the hospitals that I've worked in, actually had to change from gel dispensers 
dispensing rapid cleansers to foam dispensing rapid cleansers because they were getting stolen by um, our population base with a certain uh, je ne sais quoi. And it turns out that it's an extremely intoxicating substance, almost with a 10 to 1 ratio to regular ethanol. And you have nice sweet breath. (laughs) Wow. That's like eating the fugu fish. Like, who's the first guy to drink the isopropyl gel, right? You're like, oh, maybe this will get me hammered? I just happened to accidentally give it it a shot. When you see alcohol as a depressant, that's meant in a technical sense, not in the psychological sense of lowering mood but actually it depresses neuronal firing rates. And it, so what ends up happening is alcohol acts as what we would call a membrane stabilizer because your neurons need... So um, I'm stable when I'm drunk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Neurologically. Your, your neurons uh, need um, a voltage gradient across the membrane to be able to perpetuate uh, electrical signals, and alcohol sort of depresses the difference in the voltage across the membrane gradient. And it does this in a sort of a differential way. It seems to be neurons in the frontal lobe are more sensitive to the early effects of alcohol, and then as you progress to drinking and you move through the stages of drunkenness and then uh, getting sort of stuporous, uh, comatose, and then finally not breathing. That's actually more and more primitive brain systems finally getting intoxicated and neuronally depressed. I think I get that. I understand that. Do you? On, makes sense. On, on that <laughs> note, on I that always... note, we should have another drink. I'm, oh, I'm cracking I'm open my vodka mud shake. I'm... Spanish. Salud. Let's do salud. Salud. This is fucking delicious. <laughs> They're if really, I'd known about this, the yeah. mud shake. Torn, I'm, I'm a big fan of the vodka mud shakes. I was originally thinking about uh, getting some bubble tea and spiking some bubble tea. Oh. Okay. What's the phobia? Uh, methophobia is the an intense, irrational fear of alcohol. It's also known as potophobia, which, again, potophobia, really? Potent wouldn't... potables was one of the yeah, uh, right. categories on Jeopardy. True. Uh, Potable being my... a uh, drink. alcoholic drink. Yeah, yeah yes. pot- potable being the word. But still, it's it means... potable. He's a jerk. Ever since he lost the mustache. Yeah, I, I'm kidding. I love him. He's awesome. I love you, Alex. Thanks for listening. Good Canadian uh, kid. So the methophobic individual may actually fear people who consume alcohol or the loss of control when alcohol is consumed. People compromised by this phobia will actively avoid any situation where they might be exposed to alcohol. I'm not methophobic. <laughs> so should we go in a little bit into the history? Uh, the thing that I really like is the theory. It hasn't really been proven. It's kind of hard to, but the theory that alcohol is actually responsible for civilization. This I like to know here. Yeah, well, basically to sum it up, uh, before we had civilization and before we had agriculture, we were mostly hunter-gatherers. We would follow where the the animals that we hunted went. And uh, very much like the North American native tribes would travel around, create temporary housing, hunt, eat, move when the weather changed. However, then at some point, possibly as early as about 9,000 years ago, which would be even before the invention of the wheel, somebody figured out how to make mead or alcohol of I love how 10%. alcohol predates the wheel. That makes yeah. my day. Mead I is... don't know why it makes my day, but it absolutely makes my there, day. Mead is from honey. The theory is basically that somebody picked up a spoiled fruit because we were, of course, fruit eaters, and the spoiled fruit contained uh, amounts of alcohol in mm-hmm. it, and they felt good by it, shared the discovery with their friends, then investigated how to cause this to happen. Could also very well they saw animals doing the same thing. Could be as well. Because monkeys and even birds will eat rotten will eat fruit. Will eat rotten and, fruit and get drunk, yeah. yeah. What uh, humanity seemed to figure out was it took time to do this. It took organic matter. 
and it took time to create this alcohol that made you feel good and made the girls seem prettier. <laughs> and, which was beer goggles. And, and, which and, was great and, for the uh, propagation of the species. Right, exactly. Well, this that that would be a survival or a, uh, a, procre- <laughs> a, a survival of the species uh, thing, making yeah, it much easier to Getting get Getting drunk is Darwinian. You heard it here first. That's right. So because of that, in order to enjoy this benefit – had to stop chasing around the animals that they kept hunting and switch to an agrarian-based mm. food source, which they could not only eat, but also ferment and create alcohol out of. So that's the theory that basically we went from hunter-gatherer to an agriculture-based system because so – not because it was sloshed. better for us, but because it allowed us to take some of that grain that we were growing – and turn it into booze, which made us happy. I got to tell you, I'm not against that system. That seems to work for me. No, I'm it right seems it, it yeah. seems kind of accurate. It's hard to prove. Again, you know, looking. Are you back telling on me, history. Kevin, that you'd rather have a drink and stay at home than go out and chase a caribou okay. for two days? Crazy on foot. The discovery of late Stone Age beer jugs has established the fact that intentionally fermented beverages existed. Well, there's there the first is. slur. There it there's is. The first slur. Mark, you know what that means? That means it's time for another drink. Ah. <laughs> Oh, nice. Zulu? Oogie Wawa. Oogie Wawa. I got to tell you, Joe is definitely the titan of the crowd because for every two shots of wine that I'm doing, he's doing a full shot of tequila. So, and Torn's doing a half of vodka mud shake yeah, chocolate, chocolate drink. I want to talk about war elephants. Talk about war elephants. There's a book called War Elephants. I couldn't find the name of the uh, author. Oh, by the way, uh, for all you listeners out there, as the episode goes on, we may meander. Oh, my God. This we is may- going to be the drunkest <laughs> episode ever, which is not hard. Don't you mean the drunkestest? <laughs> drunkestest? The Syrians in 223 BC, war elephants were made drunk by fermented grape and mulberry juice before they went into battle. Oh, I had actually heard this. And that's how they they made them angrier and more war worthy. Surly, they were surly they're, and drunk. They're angry drunks. Yeah, <laughs> they're not hey. the more listen. Uh, Something like Jehovah. And the same deal with Indian elephants and rice wine. Yeah, no, I had heard elephants that rather docile normally after a couple of drinks. They're bad drunks. I would think they're that, ready for war. I would think that riding them into war and they'd be all be like, okay, I'm getting ridden, and then they would get hit by a spear. I would think that that's all it would take. No, to be like, oh fuck this shit! Now I'm trampling people. No, no, no. Because an elephant gets speared in its normal docile condition, it'll just go. It'll turn around, and run. Uh, but you maybe. make him drunk. Yeah, you're right. And he'll be like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Stomp. I'll talk about that a little bit later with science. <laughs> I suspect he's going to forget. I'll slur about that a little bit later. <laughs> the real fun will start once we start doing uh, mental status tests on you boys say, in a little oh, while. Nice. I thought you were going to say weed. I thought <laughs> you were going to say twister. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. That's wishful thinking in action, right? I understand that women have a third higher blood alcohol when all other things are equal because they don't metabolize alcohol in the stomach like men do, and it goes straight to the liver, so they get drunk faster. Oh. Does that mean they get undrunk faster as well, though, because it's been metabolized, Dr. Rob? And well, alcohol is absorbed through the stomach, and that's true whether you're any mammal, really, uh, but certainly for men and women. The, the issue is, though, that in men, particularly Caucasian males, you have <laughs> systems in your, in your liver that uh, chew up I alcohol, sure do. particularly two enzyme systems. We don't have to bother going into the, the, the technical names and all that. But yeah, um, women just simply don't have as much hepatic capacity to metabolize alcohol. And this is also pretty common in Southeast Asian populations. I knew a girl who had childbearing hepatics. Can't wait to see where this ride ends. <laughs> I'm going to make it end as badly as I can. <laughs> nice, yeah. So in certain Southeast Asian populations, they completely lack or almost completely lack the enzyme system 
for uh, breaking down alcohol, and, oh, was, and was, extremely intolerant of it. I read like ten percent of East Asians. That's the case. Not all of them. Now, does that mean oh, that they, they get like really like sick, a, or they get way drunk way fast? They basically get alcohol poisoning. Alcohol they poisoning, normally yeah. would. And it takes a long time for them to break down alcohol. They get the and what are the symptoms of, of alcohol, alcohol poisoning? poisoning? If we keep an eye on our colleague seated to my right, we might find out. <laughs> that would be me before uh, before too long. But essentially, it's uh, going to get to the point where you have lost cognitive coherency. You're stuporous. You're deeply slurring your speech. You can't stand up. So you've got significant at- ataxia, meaning stumbling yeah. gait. And then as it progresses, uh, the inability to stay awake. And then loss of airway protection reflexes. Oh. Um, what does that mean? And then protection. Little, what does uh, that mean? Airway? You don't gag. So if you vomit while you're... So wait, wait you're saying girls don't gag. <laughs> Keep drinking, Joe. Also men. Yeah, but that doesn't influence me either way. You choke on your vomit with either of them? <laughs> yes. Janice Joplin, here I come. Interestingly enough, on a bit of a sidebar, if you have poisoning with methanol, the treatment actually is acute ingestion of ethanol. So, What? You treat wood alcohol poisoning with regular alcohol? With regular alcohol, that's right, yeah. Oh. The best thing you can do if someone's it, had wood alcohol is give, them, just make, give them a Mickey to guzzle. It doesn't make you... What? It doesn't fix it. It just makes you deal with it better. No, it fixes it. Uh, what ends up <laughs> this happening... This is so counterintuitive. This is awesome. Tell me more. Well, because the liver enzymes that break down alcohol have a strong preference for ethanol. Oh, okay. So they will outcompete for the binding sites versus methanol, which will then end up just being cleared by your kidneys into your bladder, and you harmlessly pee it all away. So next time somebody tells me that they think I've had enough to drink, I'm like, I'm suffering from methanol poisoning. I need <laughs> Give <me> another <laughs> drink. <laughs> Give me another scotch. Uh, you don't know. Dr. Rob told me. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> so here's my medical alcohol license. I think it's time for another drink. I think this might be six for me, but I'm now at the point where I can't count. So, <laughs> Joe is definitely manning up in this particular episode. Listen, there are three hosts of this podcast, and one of this one. Of... <laughs> there are there are three hosts of this podcast, and one of them is a man. I'm editing this episode, by the way. <laughs> no, I am editing this episode. So now we're seeing the emergence of a little bit of belligerence. Oh, yeah, yeah. The dangerous anger listed under alcohol poisoning uh, symptoms. <laughs> dangerous anger. I wasn't angry. I've compiled a list of some interesting booze around the world for our segment. Oh, let's hear it. Booze around, around the, the world. world. Pruno, prison wine. Oh. is an alcoholic liquid made variously uh, from apples, oranges, fruit cocktail, ketchup, Sugar and possibly other ingredients, including bread. And they mix it in the toilet bowl. Pruno. Ah. Is that true? Yeah, lots well, of them. They mix in the toilet bowl. What other containers yeah, yeah, do you think trend. they have? Pruno originated in and remains largely confined to prisons where it can be produced cheaply, easily, and discreetly. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If they mix it in a toilet bowl, does that mean they have to hold off on pooping for long enough for it to ferment? I think so. I think that's what it means. Let me Worth tell you. it. Worth it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. The concoction can be made using only a plastic bag. What if you got so oh. drunk you forgot to not oh. contaminate your toilet bowl? Then you don't need more booze. <laughs> that's poo rum. <laughs> yeah, that's that. If you're if you're an inmate, do you drink it anyway? You think about it. You think twice. The concoction can be made using only a plastic bag, hot running water, and a towel or sock to conceal the pulp during fermentation. The end result has been colorfully described as a vomit-flavored wine cooler. (laughs) 
<laughs> Although Ew. flavor is not the primary objective. No, of course not. <laughs> Depending on the time spent fermenting the sugar content and the quality of the ingredients in preparation, Pruno's alcohol content by volume can range from as low as 2 to 14%. Not worth it. Listen, 2% I, not worth it, definitely. I, 14, I will live with vomit-flavored wine coolers for yeah. 14%. But 2%, no, definitely not. No. you got you to taste have at least as good as a mud shake to be 2%. Right. And By the way, so, I'm trying this mud shake. Sure. Give me a mud shake. <laughs> hey, you're taking all my booze. Matt Kowalik pointed out Arak, an extremely high-proof liquor made from the nectar of unopened coconut flowers. <laughs> Because it's not made from fruit or grain, some Muslims think it's a loophole in the religious proscription against alcohol. Oh, okay. And therefore, it's time for another drink. So you'll find it in tropical Islamic Torin, there's countries. Some, Torin, there's a drink for you, you right You don't there. have to be rude. <laughs> I know. Not being rude. He's not being rude because he has to be rude. <laughs> Excuse me. This is, this is definitely hold on, alcoholic belligerence. Excuse me, Mr. Mr. Atkinson, sir. That's better. In front of you, sir. <laughs> it is time for another drink. Would you kindly? Oh, oh this is terrible. Oh, no, would you kindly did... drink some of that tequila? Uh, but... See, this is why I don't drink. <laughs> yeah, tequila. This is fucking awful. Tequila <laughs> no, is good. awful. Tequila no, is awful. You don't sip tequila. You just bang. It. Oh, Romanian. What's Romanian? Norok. 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 Isn't that half of the Ragnarok <laughs> mythology? Where that makes the, perfect where sense. All the Norse gods get drunk. Shoot it, Torn. Holy shit, that mud shake is good. It's fucking tasty. Holy Christ, who I'm, makes this? However, I would like to I would like to note to all the <laughs> listeners, I'm drinking my entire mud shake. Right I feel now. like Mr. Furley right now. The the ingredients are water, <laughs> vodka, and sugar. As I was saying about Arak, the end product is a spirit whose taste is usually described as somewhere between whiskey and a rum. And this is from Matt. When I was in Bali, I I befriended some locals who didn't appear to do much but drink all day. They invited me to have some Arak with them, and I discovered they were stretching something that is already horrible <laughs> rocket fuel with kerosene. They were literally mixing kerosene. That's what Matt with said. With this flower with, alcohol. With the, uh, with the coconut flower alcohol. Oh, oh, my God. But Muslims can drink it. <laughs> Technically, yes. Torin, you've maybe drank a quarter of an ounce. Yeah, I'm not no, drinking that. That's shitty. <laughs> I'll have some me, more of this. Rob, yeah, Doc, a, Dr. Rob, Torin is not drinking his shot of alcohol. Joe gets uh, drunk really easily. <laughs> he has... Um, no, but to his... Easily? To his credit, he has had like six ounces of alcohol. No, wait, wait, wait. In wait, about 35 minutes. It's so. not a competition. And they've all been Texas shots. <laughs> this is a They're competition. an ounce and a half each. Yeah, that, well, not an ounce and a quarter. I have an ounce and a half shot, but it's only been about... We're not going to get to lizard wine, are we? <laughs> we are. Oh, if we end this show without getting to lizard wine, I'm going to lose it. Listen, <laughs> I love the caustic to listeners, and I am willing to do whatever it takes to make them happy. You're literally taking a shot for them. The only thing that is going to be good for this episode is me getting drunk out of my mind. That's the only thing that can save it. <laughs> the only thing. Because listen, everything up to this episode has been crap. Everything. Okay. Especially you, Torin. <laughs> I think it's time for a little test. I'm kidding. Oh. Are you ready, Joe? Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, okay. Dr. Okay. Rob, whoa, whoa, whoa. test us. Rob's testing me. I'm going to give you three words. I okay. want you to repeat them back to me and then remember them. Okay, repeat them back and then remember. Apple, table, penny. Apple, table, penny. Good. Okay. Now I want you to spell world. W-O-R-L-D. Now I want you to spell world backwards. D-L-R-O-W. Not too bad. Now I want you to start at 100 and take away sevens. 9386... 79, You're right, there would be 73, math. 60, I'm taking away, how many? What am I taking away? See? <laughs> taking away sevens? Start at 100 and take <laughs> away sevens. 
Just do your best. Let's we, skip to the next why one. Do we, why do we not do this when I was sober? <laughs> That's right. There's no control. Yeah, I was about okay. to say, like, who said he could do this when he had no alcohol No, I'm system? I'm pretty good with math, so I think this is a pretty good instant, uh, example of me being pretty drunk right now. All right. So now, Joe, what were yep. the three words? Apple table. I don't remember. Penny. Penny. I remember Penny. <laughs> Two out of three. Two out of three. You know what that means? It's time for another drink. <laughs> All right, I got another another booze around the world. All right, lay it on us. Kumis, Central yeah. Asia, is a fermented drink made from mare's milk. Okay. Described by Herodotus in the Her- Herodotus. Herodotus. Thank you. In the fifth century BC, mare milk is fermented for hours or days while stirred, so it doesn't coagulate. Traditionally, the mare's milk was kept in a horse hide. Tied to the saddle and bounced around for a day's ride. Bounced around for a day's ride? That Would that assist in the process? Uh, it must, yeah. Nowadays, it is wo- made in wooden vats. And because mare milk is scarce, industrial producers use cow milk with added sucrose. Which is that I the think it's cheating. Yeah, yeah it, totally. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's cheating. I'd much rather have the mare milk, the fermented mare milk. So kumis is not a very potent drink, containing between 0.7 and 2.5% alcohol. Psh, I think I heard the first official uh, torn slur. Weights. Did you? What did I say? Uh, you, uh, I slur the best of times. <laughs> Lizard wine. Oh, snap. Bring it. Who's counting? Okay, hold way. on. I'm going to guess. Lizard wine? Can you wine? guess what country it comes from? Uh, wherever Komodo dragons are from. <laughs> no. No, I know. <gasps> I can guess. I totally was going to be milking Komodo dragons here. In, in case second. you're wondering, that's the island of Komodo. <laughs> it's a dead giveaway. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, lizard wine is from China. No, yeah, no, no. you cheated. Oh. Do you, you milk can guess lizards? the next one. Do you milk lizards to get it? No, it's prepared by adding ginseng and gecko lizards into a clay <laughs> vat. Like actual lizards? Yeah, full of fermenting rice wine. After 12 months, the mixture is strained. Wait, hold on a second. This rum and coke is great, you but you know in... what it needs? It needs more fermented lizards. So hold on a second. You take a lizard, you take rice wine, which is an alcoholic beverage, yeah. you mix them up, and yeah. you end up with lizard wine. Yes. It's called... Why well, add the lizards? Why not just drink hey, the rice jai wine? Ju. Hey, jai ju. So hey, jai what, ju. What, uh, what does the lizard add to the process here? Chi, of course. <laughs> do they test that with a chiometer? <laughs> they do. <laughs> After 12 months, the mixture is strained and green liquor is obtained. It's one of China's strongest brews. Lizard wine tastes a lot like cheap brandy with a weird aftertaste and is said to improve eyesight and ward off evil spirits. I am constantly no. surrounded by evil spirits, mainly <laughs> you two. So uh, the evil spirits I that I have are tequila, and no, it's just tequila. I need, if I drank lizard wine, I would probably fend the two of you off. And that leads us to Korean baby mouse wine. Yes, I love this. <laughs> Go, baby mouse wine is prepared by drowning a large number of baby mice in vats full of rice wine. Yes, the critters mustn't be more than two to three days old. Mustn't, <laughs> mustn't, must, must not, to ensure the drink ends up being fur free. The mixture is stored in a dark, dry space for about a year before it can be consumed. Villagers who were ill and didn't have enough money to visit a doctor started brewing this concoction as a remedy for everything (laughs) from asthma to liver problems. In fact, many Korean people firmly believe that baby mice wine can cure virtually anything that's wrong with the human body. You know, and I want to say, I want to bring this this note from our skeptical uh, fan podcast. Anything that says it can cure virtually anything is bullshit. (laughs) I, what, I if gotta, what if it's the blues? Yeah, even that. Alcohol <laughs> can cure a lot of things, sometimes including the blues. But listen. <laughs> All right, Joe, give me the months of the year. You're going to make me do them backwards later. January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Nice. Now I want you to do them backwards starting with August. Oh, starts in the August, middle of the year. August, July, Snap. June, May, 
April, March, February, January. That's like five more months. Congratulations. You can still drive. <laughs> Not in BC. Do you want to guess where seagull wine is from? Dead seagulls. Oh, you meant geographically. The province of British Columbia? I don't know. I've... We got a ton. You're very close. Oh. Uh, Alaska. Uh, uh, it's an Inuit drink. Find a newly deceased seagull. Yeah. Done. Second, stuff the aforementioned newly deceased seagull into a bottle. Whoa, Third... whoa, whoa. Oh, wait, wait. Wait a minute. You're saying the, 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 the way that you do this is shit I've done already? <laughs> how do you stuff a seagull in a bottle? No. I, I'm confused enough about the little ships. Kevin, how do you not? You just force Still, it. Still, the beak. The Torn. beak alone. Third, add enough water to fill the bottle almost to the top. Yeah. Fourth, cork the bottle and let it lounge in the direct sun until fermentation is complete. Yes. I'm not exactly sure how this fermentation with animal tissue works. Do you have any idea there, Dr. Dr. Yeah, Dr. Rob? Dr. Rob, enlighten us about this fermentation <laughs> process. Because is the next step drink it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. So <laughs> the, the next step is drink it. Final step is to drink it. Oh, my God. I'm how a... does this work? How do you turn a seagull into booze? You oh let it ferment, God. duh. Well, hold yes. on. A second. My parents have made. Can we look up fermentation? My parents have made wine in our basement for as from long human as... babies for years. <laughs> for, as, for as long as I have any sort of memory whatsoever, it seems like a very complicated process. It certainly isn't shove it in a bottle and leave it in the sun. Yeah, there, but there's you're... sugar, there's yeast, there's carabiners with little you know gas gauges on the top. There's hand grinders. There's it's. Very complicated. Well, it's not complicated. It's got like three steps, but there's lots of equipment. Yeah, but you're in the cold tundra. <laughs> there's no fruit. Yeah. There's no, no grain. No fruit, no grain, no wood even. No wood. And no basement. You got dead seagulls all around you. <laughs> God damn it. I really want to get drunk, and there's nothing but dead seagulls How do they figure here. this out? Do they, do they like, just like bite into a dead seagull and get kind of woozy and go, oh, let's get more of that in a bottle in the sun? Pretty much, the yeah. Water. So it's like this. You know, if we took the fruit and let it like get old and weird and gross and, and moldy, but then drink the juice off that, we get fucked up. What if we do that to a seagull? <laughs> In all your other like uh, boozes around the world descriptions, you had what it tastes like. Does it tell? Does it say what seagull booze tastes like? Because I'm understand. guessing I would imagine it tastes horrible. It's awful. Like you have to be really dedicated to getting hammered to drink uh, seagull. I think I, the website I got this from was Alcoholic X Files. Right. Check it out. At, Type well, in Alcoholic well. X Files and seagull wine. I'm doing another shot of wine. It's a cozy table, isn't it? <laughs> and champagne, my dear. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. <laughs> Like it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> I like it too. <laughs> yes, I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> you want some more? 
<laughs> Delicious. <laughs> I knew you'd like it. You always. <laughs> Delicious. Oh, have some more. <laughs> Get the waiter in. Four, Texas, formerly news. Seven years ago, news. Tammy Jean Warner had been scheduled to face trial for negligent homicide in the May 2004 death of Michael Warner, 58. But Brazoria County District Attorney Jerry Yen said the charges were dismissed a month ago for lack of evidence. The dead man had a severe alcohol issue, and it was not clear his wife had committed a crime, Yen said in a telephone Whoa. interview. Let's say I have lung cancer and I continue to smoke. If you provide cigarettes to me, is that negligent homicide? At the time of Warner's indictment in 2005, the woman had given her husband two large bottles of sherry, which raised his blood alcohol level to 0.47%, nearly six times the level considered legally drunk in Texas. Yeah. The husband had, was addicted to enemas. What? And often used alcohol in that what? manner. What? Oh. Alcohol enemas? Warner had a throat ailment that left him unable to drink the sherry. He had a throat ailment that made it impossible for him to drink his alcohol of preference. His yeah. two bottles of sherry. His two bottles of sherry. His, uh, well, let's call it aperitif. <laughs> and so he had his wife give him alcohol Enemas? What's the difference between absorbing through the uh, lining of the intestines rather than through the through the stomach? Dr. Rob. Well, the Greeks would do this, right? Wouldn't be much of a difference at all. It's the same kind of mucosal tissue, so alcohol is going to be freely permeable across it. I'm not sure why his colon would prefer sherry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe if he'd had a mud shake, he'd have been in better shape. <laughs> Actually, a mud shake would be particularly appropriate for the, uh, for yeah. the enema. That sounds like a uh, euphemism for diarrhea. <laughs> Take cover, here comes a mud shake. <laughs> That's what his wife would say every time before she administered it. And then from uh, 2009, uh, submitted actually by our fan Devin. I really hope that so that joke turns out as funny as it is in my head. A Russian man survived after guzzling three bottles of vodka before leaping from a fifth floor balcony twice. Nice. Wait, Mos not just once? Twice. But twice? Moscow man Alexei Roskov jumped the second time because he couldn't stand any more of his wife's nagging oh, after I'm, the first time. He Wait, is, I'm the, so on his team. Hold on a second. Was it, the, was it in the same night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He jumped out of the balcony. Didn't ran, die. Ba didn't ran die, back upstairs. Ran back up to his apartment. She continued to nag him and he jumped a second time. His wife, Yekaterina, watched in horror as her sozzled husband opened the kitchen window of their Moscow apartment and dived out. Astonishingly, 22-year-old Muscovite survived, staggering back upstairs with barely a scratch after the 15-meter fall. Nice. But while his wife called for an ambulance and began to scold him, he decided to jump again. Paramedics treated Mr. Roskoff for minor cuts and bruises before releasing him. Ms. Karofka said that he was now teetotal <laughs> after giving up drinking and added, 
Now I can say just one thing. I was very lucky. I have no idea why I jumped the first time, but when I came back up and I heard my wife screaming angrily at me, I thought it was best if I left the room again. Out of the window. And in my head, I am seeing him. She's there. And he he just, like, calmly, no anger, Opens the window, looks at her, leaps out backwards, yeah, backwards so, just... and just as he's in that part where you hang in midair before the fall totally starts, flips her the bird, <laughs> and then just I, falls. I, I was actually going with a totally ironic uh, Queen Elizabeth II. The little wave? Hand wave. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, just like... That would be the dissing. That sounds like it's time for another drink. The great thing about the test is I can use them over and over again. Test, uh, oh, test yeah. Kevin now. Apple table, Benny. I, I passed. Woohoo! <laughs> different words. Pick different words. Go. Bird, feather, clock. Are we actually going to do the same test? Yeah, Seriously? do it. Shut up. What are you? Are you scared? Do it. Yeah, Cut Kevin. That part. Shut up. No, you can't reach for a pen and write the words down. <laughs> All right, land on me, Doctor Rob. A pen. I just, quaint. I just did. I totally forget what they were already. Bird, feather, clock. Bird, feather, clock. Now I want you to remember those. Now it's your turn. Spell you know, world. W-R-O-R-L-D. Now spell world backwards. D-L-R-O-W. Very nice. Start at 100 and take away sevens. 100, 93, 86, 70, uh, 78, <laughs> 71, 64. <laughs> we're, we're minusing seven every time, right? No, but yep. 78 was wrong. That was your first wrong. Duh. Wait, 9386? Yeah. 8679? 79. 72, 65. I was an honors math major. Good Lord. Wiener. <laughs> All right, what was the next question? You're still answering the second question. <laughs> oh, uh, what am I down to? 64? Uh, <laughs> 64, 57, 50. No, that doesn't work. Seven times something doesn't equal 50. Seven, oh, 49, 51. 51, 44, 37, 30, 23, 16, 9, 2, 0. February 2nd, 2011, Warsaw, Alexander Andrzej, 32, would have been nearly 30 times the legal limit for driving in his country of Poland. 30 times? 3-0? He was spotted in the Warsaw Park and taken to hospital by police. A breath test showed he had 1,024 micrograms per 100 milliliters, which doctors believe helped him live. Helped him live. Helped him live? How did it help him? Because he was in the park in <laughs> Warsaw in February. You could get drunk off his blood. How? Wait. <laughs> That's how the vampires do it. <laughs> the legal limit is 35 milligrams, and they added that even 300 milligrams is potentially deadly. <laughs> three times the deadly limit. He is expected to make a full recovery. No, no, Dr. Rob, this is what happens when you are he an is alcoholic. He actually pickled. And are, as you drink alcohol, your resistance, your... Tolerance. Uh, uh, tolerance, thank you. Yeah. Your tolerance increases. Yeah. So this is obviously a very, very tolerant man. So that's the lethal limit for a moderate to non-drinker, I guess? Is Well, it's a good question. Uh, I suppose it would depend on a lot of things, but certainly your ability to tolerate alcohol. Because as you drink is- alcohol, part of what happens is your liver creates more of the enzymes and so it revs up at a higher rate to, okay. to be able to metabolize alcohol. Okay, what were the three words, Kevin? Uh, I don't know, but the last one was cock. Actually, it wasn't. <laughs> it, wasn't. Uh, it was clock. It was clock. It was close to cock. Nice. It was okay. close to cock. 
pop culture. Uh, my favorite pop culture reference to alcohol is definitely the Hitchhiker. Oh, my God. You know what that means? It's time for another drink. Yeah, that's what that means. Hindi. Apki Lambi Umar K. Lie. Apki Lambi Umar K. Apki Lambi Umar K. Hitchhiker's You're... Guide to the Galaxy had uh, the Pangalactic Gargoyle oh, Blaster. I'm such a Hitchhiker's fan. The book or the movie? Both. Both. Well, okay. Whoa, whoa. Did you, okay. Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you say that again, please? Whoa. I said both because my brain, for some reason, thought he meant book or the TV series. No, it was your interjection that everybody's laughing about. The, <laughs> the effect no, the of which is like having your brain smashed out with a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold, gold brick. Oh, Wood, it's time for another drink. Know, it's going to be a long <laughs> night for Joe. <laughs> Iron Man. The comic book or the movie? He drank a lot in the movie. You know, they didn't address any alcohol issues, but he certainly was a... Well, he a had a cocktail it, while it he was like riding around the Hummer in the war zone. To me, it seems like they're setting it up for some movie in the future right. where they're going to point out to everybody who's been like, he's awesome and drunk and fun that, like, no, this is alcoholism. Yeah, which was a huge theme in the comic book series. Yeah. I like the fact that Robert Downey Jr. was the perfect Tony Stark. He really is. Because art imitates, or life imitates art. I totally did not <laughs> expect that movie to be any good at all. And it was awesome. It's it like was, top five superhero was, movies all time. It was so great. It, to, you can't imagine anybody else in the role. Which, it's the highest compliment you can pay any actor for any particular performance. Yeah, right? that, that drunken, alcoholic, drug addict shithead. I'm now kind of impressed by Yeah, he's a very likable, alcoholic, super smart Drug shithead. shithead, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, strange Brew. Oh, jeez, eh? <laughs> I got to take a pee so bad I, I can t- taste it. <laughs> yeah, in order to save everything, they have to drink that entire giant vat of beer. They're, it's awesome. They get, they get trapped in a huge beer vat. What was yeah. the name of the brewery? Elsinore Brewery. Elsinore, yeah. The yeah. reason I know it's Elsinore Brewery is because Elsinore Castle is the castle from Hamlet. Yep. And I think we mentioned this before. Yeah, we did. In Strange Brew, it was Elsinore Brewery. And then, of course, the storyline goes very similar to Hamlet. Bob and Doug McKenzie are totally the two halves of Hamlet, obviously. They're, they're Rosencrantz and Gilnstern. Mm. Uh, has anyone seen The Lost Weekend? The Lost Weekend, that was... Yeah, that was... Uh, oh, yeah. no. That was amazing. Ray Millard plays Don Burnham, a struggling writer who attempts to give up the booze so he can pen his one great book. Mm-hmm. But when faced with mounting social pressures, Berman retreats to the bottle, disappointing both his girlfriend and his brother. The Lost Weekend remains a powerful, groundbreaking movie, with Ray Millard de- delivering an outstanding performance as the drunk on a four-day bender who populates seedy bars, desperately searches for open pawn shops, and eventually ends up in Bellevue Hospital. And I think this is the movie that's kind of parodied in everything, where he's wandering down the street and all these neon signs are going oh, yeah. Yeah. behind him or whatever yeah. As, yeah. as he passes through them. In The and, Simpsons. And, and everything gets all weird, like... Yeah, yeah. And there's a scene where he gets the DT, is the delirium tremens, yeah. as, he's, as he's cleaning up. Yeah. And he's like, sees... There's a hole in the wall, and there's a bat flying around the room. The bat flies next to the hole, and a rat comes out and grabs the bite and starts eating him. He's just like, going, ah! <laughs> it's awesome. It's fantastic. So Delirium Tremens, we haven't mentioned this, this yet. Delirium Tremens is Latin for shaking frenzy. See, I thought DT stood for detoxing. No, Delirium Tremens. It's an acute episode of... De- de- <laughs> it's a seizure. A seizure, as Dr. Rob says. Darcy is pointing out my tequila bottle is almost empty. You got to finish it. I will. I love Time our fans. Time for another drink. Let's go to... Oh, oh d- German, German, German. German. Prost. The, uh, or you go, how vague than Schweiss. 
which is vulgar. <sighs> Days of Wine and Roses, Jack Lemmon, you know, a, a well-respected comedic actor, tried to do the old classic Hollywood play-against type, do a dramatic role where he played a severe alcoholic. No. I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. It's really, really amazing. Like, Jack Lemmon is an incredible actor. It's often loaned from person to person in alcoholic, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and a suggested viewing in many other programs designed for recovering alcoholics. Leaving Las Vegas? I watched it last week uh, in expectation of this episode. Oh, nice. God, I love that movie. It's I actually really, haven't seen it. You I hear it's never good. saw it? No, I... I Nicolas I, Cage won an Academy Award listen, for it. Listen, don't, don't diss me. I agree I should see it. Elizabeth Shue, fantastic. I Nicolas love her. Cage, fantastic. Don't Subject fuck matter, with fantastic. the babysitter. Download the Doug Loves Movies, the Doug Benson podcast. <laughs> Doug Benson. Starring Elizabeth Shue. Okay. It's awesome because she starts telling stories and then she doesn't realize that it's being recorded for a podcast. She thought it was just in a comedy club. Oh. So she tells all these stories all night long <laughs> nice. and she goes – and then Doug is like talking about his podcast. She's like, wait, what, what are you talking about? This is going to go out over the internet for like everybody to hear. I need you to edit out a bunch of the shit that I just said. So they actually <laughs> bleep out a bunch of the stuff that she says. But in subsequent episodes, Doug Benson tells everybody exactly right. what she said. Leaving Las Vegas, fucking yeah. awesome. I, so and I the guy who wrote the original source material, the guy who wrote the book, committed suicide right before they made the movie. That's dark. Are you sure? Yeah, because he was like a ridiculous alcoholic. Or he committed suicide like after they made the movie. Hold Whatever. Yeah. He committed suicide right around the time the movie came out. Strange about how all the best uh, movies and stories about alcoholism are by alcoholics. You know what it is? It's time for another drink. Oh, snap. <laughs> <sighs> I gotta tell you, he shoots like a motherfucker. Arthur. Oh, yeah, he's a drunk. Dudley Moore, a real-life alcoholic, plays Arthur, a 30-year-old alcoholic who will inherit $750 millions if he complies with his family's demands and marries the woman of their choosing. Arthur falls in love with a tie-stealing waitress from Queens and has to choose. They're remaking Arthur right now. Yeah, I've heard Are they? That. Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Oh, he's playing Arthur. That would be so great. I, actually, I, I, I just saw Russell the trailer Brand. for it, and it actually looks entertaining. It may be better than the first one because I didn't like the first one. I think of myself as a shorter, poorer Russell Brand. I think Were you myself addicted to heroin as a taller no. Dudley Moore. No, but that's because Less I'm British. poorer. A poor <laughs> heroin is no, not is not cheap. Was, like, come on, no, it is cheap. There's but, lots of people down on the east side who listen, have no money who are on addicted to heroin. Kevin, not for me. <laughs> wait, wait. Are you guys proposing a heroin episode? No. <laughs> okay. No. All right. <laughs> But if we do do it, Dr. Rob, you are coming in to administer the IV. (laughs) All right, one more drink and then we end the episode. All right. Finish Kippus? Kippus. 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 Thanks, everyone. The original Arthur. Whoa, wait, whoa, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. We Arthur? Need... No, 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 no. We need a definite break so you start talking about leaving Las Vegas. Yes, but we're still talking about Arthur. Okay, but no, give not. us a definite break for Arthur and yes, lead. No, I no, will. no, Kevin. I will. I'm going to talk about Arthur first. And then it will break. What I'm saying is like, blah, 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 bl